Hey contractors, welcome to the Contractor's Playbook. I'm your host, Michael Gogan, and on this podcast, we will be talking with experts in the industry and getting real about their failures, successes, and lessons learned. I'll be joined in studio by our producer, Isaac Moore. Man, Isaac, awesome conversation we just had with Paul uh, Jameson. Um, the guy's a wealth of knowledge. I mean, he's yeah. a best-selling author. He's got a podcast. He, he runs a successful online landscape business. Um, I My biggest takeaway was that he, like, no pun intended, he has kept his business grassroots. His story, his story is really awesome, um, how he's grown his business, um, and he's, he's really stayed true to those grassroots, um, you know, type of marketing and growth. Um, really, really an awesome guy and a wealth of knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. I, and I think he, he gives a lot of great thoughts that are applicable way beyond just the landscaping lawn care industry in this conversation. So uh, don't be misled by the industry or title here. Like this has stuff for anyone, any contractor, any entrepreneur in it that's great. Yeah, that's a great point. I there were so many times in there where he's talking, he's talking landscape, and I'm like, no, no, Paul, you're you're talking to every contractor. We Absolutely, talk to. that is that is truly epitomizes all of the contracting spaces. Yeah, uh, so yeah let's go to jump in. I think you guys are going to love this episode. What's up, everyone? Thanks for jumping back in with us today. We've got an awesome guest from the landscaping industry. Um, best-selling author of Cut That Grass and Make That Cash, Paul Jamison. Paul, thanks for jumping in with us today. Good to be here. Absolutely. So obviously you're an author. Um, you got a lot of things going though. I mean, you've got coaching, you've got the podcast, um, you you came from the landscaping um, world. Just give me that quick elevator pitch of who Paul is, what's the background, and then we'll dive into questions here. Absolutely. So back in 2011, I was fresh out of college and I was broke, busted and disgusted and I didn't have any money. And so I was uh, needing to make the mortgage payment. It was $928. And at the time my income was coming in, I was selling some vitamins and I was just struggling to make ends meet. And so there was a push mower in the garage and I just printed out some uh, business cards that were uh, just basically said uh, Paul Jameson Lawn Care. And uh, I walked around the neighborhood and started flinging those things out and the neighbors started calling me and I just started, you know, push mowing their grass. And uh, I realized that I didn't know what I was doing. And so I was like taking one step forward and three steps back and getting myself but even worse of a hole uh, as I'm starting my new lawn care business in 2011. And uh, I actually fell in love with it though. Making someone's property look really nice uh, was very satisfying work. And so over the next few years, I started to figure out how to actually price the jobs so they're profitable, how to get equipment to be more efficient. I started getting some awesome mentors in my life. And uh, over the course of several years, I worked myself from working in the lower end of town to servicing the head coach of Atlanta Falcons, the captain of the Falcons, a lot of defensive coordinators and high-end business folks and, and working on some extremely nice properties uh, over the last several years. So that's what the book's about. I share the story of going from a, a 1997 Honda Accords. Actually, I start, I didn't have a truck. I started my business in the back of a sedan to growing a successful landscaping business. 
I love that. Those those stories are like they're they're just awesome and they're they're so prevalent in the contracting world. I I think of a, a prior guest we had on, Paul Reed, who's in the roofing industry. And I don't know if you would agree with this statement, but he often mentions that he paid a lot of dumb tax throughout throughout his days. And he's like, Yeah, anything I can do to pour into future contractors to eliminate them having to pay that same dumb tax um, that I paid. And so I assume you probably paid some dumb tax throughout the day. I'm guessing there was a lot of jobs that weren't profitable for you. Um, for you, when you look at the, the industry as a whole, what are some of those like landmines that a lot of these people that say, I want to start a lawn or landscaping business? What are some of those landmines that you know a lot of these companies are hitting? Yeah, absolutely. So the number one would be pricing. There's such a low entry to the lawn care business because all you really need is a mower, a weed eater, and a blower and something to transport that around town. So it's one of the lowest cost of entries in any business. Like if you start a laundromat or a car dealership or a restaurant, you need tens of thousands of dollars or more just to get started. But with landscaping, in my case, I was so crafty. I started with nothing. Like I didn't even have a, the mower was actually my friends. I didn't even ask them if I could use it. I just <laughs> took it and started cutting grass. And I, long story short, I actually broke the mower. So I had to replace it. But the deal is guys get in and they have an employee mindset. So they're used to making $15 an hour. They're used to making $20 an hour. And they're just used to putting in the time and getting that paycheck. Well, when you start a lawn care business, you have so much hidden overhead that you don't realize. And the general liability insurance, the uh, vehicle insurance for your commercial vehicle, your storage unit, your equipment, the repairs on the equipment, and the list goes on and on and on. And most guys don't know how to actually calculate how much overhead they actually spend in a year and a month and break that down into an hourly rate to charge to the customers. And so long story short, I'd say 99% of guys that start in this industry they price too low because they just don't know. And the folks that have been around for a decade plus understand what their overhead is and they're charging adequate rates to make sure they have that overhead cost recovery and that they can pay their team a, a healthy salary and be profitable after it all. So it's very common mistake that guys start off and their prices are too low, um, but to survive and thrive in this industry, you definitely have to know your numbers and make sure you're charging a, a rate that's going to be able to sustain your business. Yeah, I I love the idea of you know that they enter with that employee mindset, and it's you know you, you're they're thinking about fifteen dollars an hour, eighteen dollars an hour, and they're thinking I can charge thirty bucks an hour. I'm I'm rich. Um, obviously not the case. There is a ton of overhead and that, that hidden overhead. What is your suggestion for somebody that's new? And, and because this isn't just for, for lawn and landscape. It, it truly isn't. Knowing your numbers is an, a crucial piece to all of contracting. In your space, though, how do they go and figure out those numbers? Who do they talk to? Where do they find that information? Uh, because, frankly, if they can start with next to nothing, you know, going and dumping money into, because I saw your one-on-one -on -one coaching, you have it. It's honestly, really in inexpensive, but I could see somebody being like, oh, I can't, I can't drop money into that right now. I got to get some money coming in first. So how do they figure out those numbers? Is it just trial and error? Is there a place they can go and be like, okay, this at least gives me a baseline. 
Yeah, absolutely. Well, a free resource we do have is the Green Industry Podcast. It's my show that we do daily, uh, Monday through Friday. And we put out this information very consistently and, and updating what the um, average rate per man hour is in our industry. And just like we do with our personal finances, I'd recommend having a budget. If you don't even have a budget, if you print out your bank account from last month, then you can go through and you're like, oh, I spent $10.95 to Chipotle. I spent you're go, you know you're going through and you're seeing where all the money went. And so as soon as you want to start a business, I highly highly recommend immediately day 1 opening a business license, business account depending on what country you live in, uh, what state you live in. You can check the legalities, what's better a sole proprietorship, a LLC. I don't want to get into all that, but get a business account. You're going to probably have to go to your local county and get a business license and then 100% of the finances run from day one through that business account. So anytime you get paid, that income goes into the business account. Anytime you have an expense from the business, that money goes into the business account. And you want to find out those true numbers as, as fast as possible. So after your first month in business, print out that bank statement and then go through and really start to calculate what the expenses to truly run this business are. I think they say the three rules of business is it's going to cost twice as much as you think it's going to cost. It's going to take twice as long as you think it's going to take, and you're not the exception. And so once you start to follow your numbers, then you can actually see for yourself how much it actually costs to run your business. And then I recommend, and this does cost money, but I have an incredible uh, financial team on my team, which would be my bookkeeper. I pay them 240 bucks a month, but they make sure every transaction that I have is in proper order. And we have what's called a monthly profit meeting once a month where they'll analyze my numbers and we will go over three reports, like the profit and loss statement, for example. And, and so I have another set of eyes looking in. So I would say as fast as you can, hire a bookkeeper who has a heart of a teacher that wants to help you understand your numbers. And then I also have a um, certified financial planner that I meet with once a quarter um, that can kind of make sure you're paying your taxes on time and, and all of that. That's another trap that a lot of guys don't realize. They start making all this money. When you're an employee, your employer paid most of your taxes. Well, now you own a business, you got to pay it. You know, If you're in the United States, you have to pay a portion to the IRS. And so a lot of guys get behind on that. So um, as fast as you can, hiring professionals like a bookkeeper, a, a certified financial planner to, to look with professional eyes into your business, that will help. And if you don't want to spend any money, then use your own eye print out your business checking account every single month and go through that like a fine comb and see what expenses your business really has um, because they add up real fast. And you have to make sure you're charging your customer enough to pay all those expenses, plus to pay your salary, plus to set money aside for taxes. The next thing you know, you, re you realize, oh crap, I got to charge more. Yeah. I love that. And I just, you know, hearing what you're saying there, there's, at some point you have to decide like, Hey, this isn't just my buddy's mower and my, my civic. And I'm going to turn this into a business. I had and, a cord, not a civic. <laughs> a cord, sorry. Uh, Luxury, man. Uh, and, and you have to say, Hey, it, it does take money to make money in the, in the entrepreneur world and, and hiring that bookkeeper, you know, doing some of these things, bringing in, you know, some sort of QuickBooks or CRM or something to keep everything in order. Uh, the next place I'm thinking of spending some money for here is marketing. Um, let's dive into that a little bit because 
I love the hustle. You printed out business cards, you went into the neighborhood and started slinging them. Uh, if you had that, had it to do all over again, you probably are going to do some of that grassroots marketing. But any other like concepts or ideas that you say, hey, if you're in this and you're just starting out, you should look at X, Y, or Z to get your name out there. Absolutely. So number one would be Google My Business. It's free. We're in the social proof. Uh, whether you're looking for a girlfriend or where to get your oil changed or what uh, your your next vacation spot, people are going to go online. They're going to look at someone's profile or they're going to look at their reviews. And so uh, to start there, it's free to open up uh, Google My Business. You have to go online to Google. You have to obviously have a business. They're going to ask for your address. You give them your you give Google your address. They'll mail you a little postcard with a confirmation on it. Then if at the real address you give them, you get the postcard and you go on Google and you confirm it. Now you're set up on Google My Business. So you go to Sweet Sue's house, you cut her grass or do whatever service. She's ecstatic. You did a phenomenal job. You showed up on time. You you looked good. You did good work. She's very happy. You say, hey, Sweet Sue, uh, it mean the world to me uh, if you could leave me a, a review and you just text her the link or email her the link. She gives you a Google review. Next thing you know, you got 10 of those. Then when someone looks at your business, they're like, oh, this guy's got four or five star reviews. He shows up on time. He does good work. He's professional. Um, that's that's marketing number one. It's free. It's called Google My Business. And people will look you up online. The next thing to do is open up an Instagram account. Take After you stripe the yard and it's looking fresh, take a picture, have the sun behind you. It will look better. And take a nice stand on the bed of your truck or just you know be elevated a little bit to get a real fresh picture. Put those on Instagram. You want to start with at least nine pictures. You don't want some bare, uh, you know, grid. Get nine of your best pictures up there and and post on Instagram every single day. Um, that will build social proof. If, if you have a if you have a healthy look Instagram, you have Google My Business. Those are like foundations. Now, in our specific industry, and I know uh, you know Company Cam, you guys serve all kind of contractors from other industries, but we can get really route dense. For example. For five or six years, I worked in one neighborhood. That's it. Now, there's over 900 homes in this neighborhood, but we don't go outside the gates of this specific neighborhood uh, because we only need about 50 customers to you know, turn six, turn six digits a year. It, it, so we just market into one neighborhood. And so you can print out postcards and um, you know, just blitz one neighborhood or blitz two or three neighborhoods, but I'm all about route density and lawn maintenance and landscaping. And so um, maybe not business cards. That's what I did back in 2011. I, they were free on Vistaprint. My friends like, yeah, you can get free business cards on Vistaprint. So I was like, okay, cool. But um, you can print out like a flyer or a, a business card, like a postcard business card, a little bigger than like a one you'd hand out at a networking event and just walk around the neighborhood you want to work in and pass those out. So the, the old school ways still work. And then you can complement that for free um, with a solid Instagram. And then by far the most important is um, get, getting a good social proof on Google. Yeah. The Google My Business is, is something that I don't care what contracting space you're in, you have to have that social proof there. Um, you brought up route density, which I think is a really, really intriguing thing because that's probably one of those hidden numbers or hidden costs that people don't associate for or account for early on where they're saying, oh, I got 25 
lawns to do. And well, I happen to have 35 minute drive between lawn to lawn. We don't have that route density. Um, in the in the lawn landscaping space, how how often do people use like targeted geo-targeted Facebook ads to make sure that they say, hey, I'm here at blah, blah, blah. We just got done getting this lawn looking nice and beautiful. Um, if you were wanting your lawn to look similar, give us a call. Is Facebook something that's going in the lawn landscaping space yet? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely folks that do it, but honestly, uh, word of mouth referrals, it just drives our industry because you show, if you show up, just, I was just talking to someone the other day and they've gone through so many different lawn people and they just, they're just, if you can be that person, then you'll be shocked how fast the neighbors will start walking over and they'll start passing out your name. And so really do excellent work. And then I think word of mouth referrals is still king in the lawn care and landscaping world because it's just so hard to find um, people that can do a good job uh, doing this. So Facebook isn't even necessary. Um, in my opinion, I, most as I talk to, they're just like, I, I, I can't, um, I have so much demand. It's hard for me to know uh, how to vet these incoming customers just from word of mouth. When you're you, 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 once you got a, um, your truck's lettered or logo, you're professional, you keep showing up in the same neighborhood day after day, they're going to start flocking to you just organically through word of mouth if you're doing a good job and you're um, consistent. Great stuff there, absolutely, from Paul Jameson about consistency. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with more from the Contractor's Playbook. This episode of the Contractor's Playbook is brought to you by Company Cam. CompanyCam makes it dead simple to communicate, document, and problem-solve with guys in the field no matter where you are. Check out CompanyCam and CompanyCam Pro, now with video. And we are back with your host. Here is Michael Gogan and Paul Jameson. For sure. I love that. And it brings, it brings me to a piece that I think is very universal in the contracting world, and that is scaling and hiring. Any, any tips on when you decide, hey, I'm going to go from being a solopreneur to start adding, adding a team that's going to go out and actually do this work for me so that instead of working in my business daily, I can actually work on my business and these people are out running the routes. Any tips or suggestions that you've kind of acquired over the years on hiring and retaining good, good quality employees? Yeah, and I've read the... Michael Gerber emailed about working on your business and instead of in your business. But the reality is if you're going to get into lawn care, the first year, probably multiple years, you're going to be in the business. And so it's, it's fantasy world to think you're going to start a lawn care business and be the quarterback and guys are going to show up on time, right on time. And they're going to be ready to work and forget about it. It's just, it's so hard to find people who want to show up bright and early tomorrow morning to go cut grass. It's just the reality. They can go make more money at Costco, working in the air conditioning or at the mall. Or, I mean, you know, they can work indoors and get uh, compensated equally. So more than likely, if you're going to start off, the, my, in my opinion, and again, I've, you know, I counsel people every single day, you're probably going to have to be the guy working in your business um, to start. Now you can uh, um, mature into the role of working on your business and 
not being in the field, but that doesn't happen uh, day one. So my recommendation is to set the example that you want the people that are going to work with you to know. My friend Caleb Allman from Allman Landscape, he, he runs a million dollar company. And he says the best he's ever noticed is someone else in his company. He's got about six or seven employees at best will give 80% of the effort that you give. And that's, that's the best because no one cares about your business more than you. And so if you know the best you're going to get out of the people in your organization is 80% at best, then you want to set the bar so high by the great work you do, by the way you carry yourself. And you just have to lead by example. You have to, you have to set that example um, and that bar so high. So as you hire folks, they see what kind of culture this is. And uh, when you do find a good employee, a thoroughbred employee, then typically they hang out with other uh, people. And so, you know, you start hiring Pookie and his cousin. And, and I, I used to literally, I had guys that worked for me that just got out of prison. And uh, then they started telling me about their friends. And I was like, it was like, I was going down this cycle. I was like, man, these guys, I got to find a different pool to fish from. Um, I, one of them turned out really good. My friend, Robert, he's doing great to this day, but you, you, you got to understand that um, a lot of these guys uh, it's like an entry-level job uh, to cut grass. And so it's very difficult to find um, good people. And if you want to attract someone uh, good, you have to have a good company because they're, they're not going to want to work for somebody that's unorganized, that doesn't take it serious, that isn't paying well. Um, you're going to attract the wrong kind of people. But if your company is super legitimate and you do everything with professionalism and excellence, um, then you can attract people um, that have those kind of qualities. For sure. I would, I would think I can, I can only imagine that, you know, I bring that first person on and they're, they're shadowing, not necessarily shadowing, but they're, they're working with you alongside you getting, you know, the different things done. I can't imagine the fear that first time that you say, Hey, I'm sitting out a crew and they're going to run around and I'm going to be doing my own route over here. Um, how do you, how do you keep track of that? How do you make sure that, because you as the owner know that you're going to do great work, like you said, you know, and I was a great guy too. I love talking with Caleb and that's an interesting number that 80% and that's probably the good end of it. Like, Hey, I got a guy that's going to put 80% of himself into this. How do I ensure that I'm getting that same quality on, on jobs when I can't be there? Yeah. Well, one thing is you want to start with really good equipment. And so that's one of the mistakes that I made. I started growing too fast, too soon. And so we had duct tape together equipment, not literally, but I didn't have the top of the line um, blowers and weed eaters and mowers and a, a setup. And so that's why I said the, the Michael Gerber e-myth thing about work on your business, not in your business. In lawn care and landscaping, this is somebody who's been in this industry for over 10 years. You, you got to kind of pay your dues and work in the business and build it so that you have good equipment, that you have good customers, and, and you have that kind of foundation um, so that when you do let your guys loose, they're able to um, really take care of the property and they're not calling you and saying, hey, you know, the weed eater broke or hey, uh, whatever um, the situation is. So it's, it's difficult, man. I, I really think that, um, you know, Caleb, for example, he's had Bo Campbell for over 20 years, his, his main foreman. And so 
when you find a good person like a bow, um, you just really have to serve them well and, and, and do what you can to keep them around for sure. Yeah. Well, and I think there's so much to be said about the, you know, the, the good equipment and being organized because even, you know, if they're having to call you, that's time out of your day, that's time out of their day. But that just overall frustration level of, man, I can go find something else. And so I think that's such a great point that, then again, it comes back to, you have to be willing to invest in your business. Like, you know, one of your first points, get a bookkeeper as soon as you can, like invest in your business. And the, the Michael Gerber e-myth, I, I'm a firm believer that it's, it's almost that like unicorn that you can actually work 100% on your business and not in your business at all. Um, would that be probably a true statement in your space as well, where it's like, Hey, let's find where Friday afternoon I can spend two hours of checking out and working on the business. So I'm putting in 50, 50 plus hours working in the business. I'm just going to find this two hour chunk and I'm going to work on the business and think through the planning and those things. Is that a, good place to start for somebody in the lawn and landscaping space. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's a both. And when, when you're getting started, you always want to be working on the business and, and getting everything as efficient as possible with the softwares you're using with the way you're doing billing um, with the way you're tracking your time. You have to start from day one. The best recommendation I could ever give is to track your time. Once you get to a property, you clock in, it's nine thirteen AM. What time you got done? Uh, 10.02 a.m. We had two employees. You, that way you can um, track what you're earning per man hour per property and you, you know those numbers. So when you do get your, your first second crew, so your, your second crew, but your first time having another crew, right. then you already know, okay, you guys are going to start off on Mrs. Smith's property. This typically takes one hour. Uh, you know, if there's two guys, it'll take um, 30 minutes. It takes one man hour, but you know what I mean? Yep. So you have your, you already have everything organized and structured and calculated. So now you can set the expectation for them. Oh, Mrs. Smith's property, we're sending a two man crew. It should take you guys 30 minute max. And then you're going to go to Reggie's house and his takes two man hours. So we got a two man crew there. It should take you guys one hour. And now everything's, um, you know, realistic in, in the expectation. So, um, yeah, you can work on your business for sure. But the, the reality is, um, that the book makes it sound so easy as someone's out, out yeah. doing this, you, um, you got to work in your business to, to get the thing launched and started. And then, um, behind the scenes, constantly be fine tuning everything, um, to, to run as efficiently as possible for sure. You know, on the green industry podcast, we interview guys, uh, we just had on a program today, Alex Kirby, he runs over a million dollar uh, lawn maintenance business, actually pushing $2 million. They have about 27 employees and that's his sweet spot. But uh, yesterday's program, we had a guy from Rhode Island, Paul Kamara, and he said, screw it. He had two crews going back in the nineties. He said, or 2004, I believe it was, he's been doing this for 30 years. He said, forget about this. Customers were calling, complaining. And he's like, forget it. I'm going to be in the field. I'm going to have two employees with me. We're going to just roll with three guys. He loves what he does. And he never wants to get a second crew. He's just content having one, one crew. There's a guy in Pennsylvania we had on the show, Johnny Moe. He's solo and proud. He just works by himself. And by Labor Day, every single year, he saves enough money to take the winter off. And so you don't have to 
build and scale if you don't want to. You absolutely can. And there's guys that do it real successful. And then you can sell your business for seven figures if you have the, um, if you, when as you're building your business, if you have all of the customer information and data and the stats of the properties and how long it takes you, all that information is so valuable. You can build the thing up and sell it for a lot of money. I coach people how to do that. Uh, but you also can just say, hey, I want to be, there's a guy up in um, Indiana, uh, Mulder Outdoor Services, Andy Mulder. He's in the field every day and he loves it. And uh, he runs a really successful business, Mulder Outdoors. If you guys follow him on Instagram, he has like 30,000 or more followers. Every single piece of equipment's paid for. Um, his house is paid for. His mortgage is paid for. The guy's really wealthy. Um, but he just works every single day. I think they're maxed out at two crews and that's his sweet spot. So don't feel like you have to grow, grow, grow and take a picture on Instagram next to a private jet and all that, like whatever. Some people can do that, but other people can be content with one or two crews and, and be profitable and pay off their house. So there's, there's different routes for different people. Yeah. So I didn't prep you with questions, but you just walked right into that question. I kind of wanted to leave with, you know, we kind of started the, the conversation with how you got started. And I, I think that's a pretty common thing is um, in this space you know, all right, I'm going to go do this myself and see where I end up. If you were to do it all over again, or even just giving advice to someone else, how important is it to know where you want to be in three years or five years? Because hearing what you just said, like there's a solo and there's a guy running a 27 person crew. And there's probably a lot of different things I need to do along the way. If my goal is to have that 27 man crew versus you know what, I'm content doing this myself, maybe at a guy or two, I don't really want to scale this thing to be huge. How important is it to have that like end goal in mind, or at least that three or five year vision? It's very important. So I have two answers and answer one is I would do what Paul Kamara is doing, Johnny Moe or Andy Mulder, um, because I, uh, if I could go back and do it again, the reason I couldn't do that is because I have a, I had a shoulder injury and I had a knee injury. And so my heart was to do the one-man crew, charge premium pricing, and just work for a handful of one percenters, if you want to call them, that don't mind paying me. I mean, these people, I was at this one guy's house. He's an NFL star, and I'm he's one of my customers, and he has someone out cleaning his grill. I was like, I was like, who, you know, who are you? And like I thought he wasn't the pool guy because the guy comes and cleans the pool, right? And there's a guy that comes and cleans the guy's grill. I was like, people pay someone to come and clean, clean their grill. He's like, yeah. And I was, oh my gosh. But anyway, if I could with my shoulder and my knee, if they weren't injured, I would just work one crew and work for some really rich folks and enjoy life. Now, because of my injury, I can't do that. And I have to hire out. If I could go back and start over with my injury, knowing that I'm not going to be able to just uh, work with my own hands and feet, then I, a, I wouldn't have named my business Paul Jameson Lawn Care. I ended up changing it then to Jameson Landscaping, then the Jameson Management Group. I would have left my name out of it and just for easy things. I live in Atlanta, Georgia. I would have called it Atlanta Lawn and Landscape, okay? Because that would be really easy to sell. And I would have had a goal by year five to sell it for a million dollars or more, which is very doable because these big companies, there's several big companies here in Atlanta that do about 16 million a year in revenue. And then there's the bigger companies that do even more than that. They are constantly year after year, they're buying out 
the competition. They're buying out the smaller companies. So you build your revenue up and what they buy is it's actually, they buy the data. So they're buying your accounts. The equipment's second nature. They'll, they'll buy your equipment off you, but they're really buying the data of the account. And so if I could start all over, I'd say, okay, my goal is in five years to sell this thing for $2 million. Okay. I'm just throwing out round numbers. How we're going to build that is we're going to get a bunch of customers in this nice suburb right here. We're going to have their we're going to have their contracts, you know, their one-year contract with us. We'll do their mowing, edging, trimming, blowing, and their fertilization and weed control. And we'll have all the stats from each visit. We, you know, we clocked in at nine thirteen on this date. We got done at ten twelve. We had two men. We'll have all that information to go um, to our business broker at the point of sale. And you collect that information year after year, and and you have true numbers with the profit. And that's why I talk about bookkeepers and. A financial planners, you have a real set of books that's completely organized and it's showing your revenue, it's showing your expenses, it's showing your profits. You have a healthy business. Someone will snatch that up and buy that from you. And so that would have been my plan if I would have done it the right way from day one is go either of those paths. Just have a nice, simple lifestyle, be one crew and charge a lot and be an expert or build it to scale and sell it by building it the right way. Um, so those are two of my favorite paths, and there's many other ways you can do it profitably. But those are the two that I would uh, do if I could personally go back in time and be 21 years old again, and uh, I would have made better, different decisions. Well, and I think Paul, the it, it all comes full circle. You have to have that end end goal in mind. But it came back to that first answer you told me was got to know your numbers. You got to know those those numbers. And you gotta you gotta track those, and there's so much value in doing that, um, guys. If you're listening to this, I don't care if you're in the lawn landscaping space or not. Uh, Paul's just got a wealth of knowledge on the the green industry page. Uh, go check it out, uh, Paul. Huge shout out, and appreciate you jumping in with us today and just sharing some of your your knowledge, uh, your wealth of it. And like I said, I don't care what industry you're in. There's there's things to be learned um, from the green industry podcast. Jump in there and check it out. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you, Paul. And uh, thank you all for jumping in with us today. And we'll see you guys all next time. Again, big thank you to Paul Jameson today for jumping in with us. Great content applicable to any sector of the contractor industry. We hope you tune back in next time. For Michael Gogan and myself, uh, thanks for tuning in to the Contractor's Playbook.